This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Senior Living Truth Series. Nikki Buckaloo here with Anya Modern. Hello. And this is so fun. We're learning new things. We're doing new things. We suspect some of you might be new, new, learning new and doing new things, too. Um, they say that's good for the brain, right? So we're glad to be doing that. Um, you need to know that Anya and I are the local talent here, and Chris is our executive director, producer, <laughs> and everything else. And so if this goes really, really well, we get all the credit. <laughs> and if it fails miserably, we're going to give it to Chris. So just be prepared for that. Um, so we're going to be talking about downsizing versus decluttering today. And I don't know how well I'm going to do sitting in a chair because you guys know that I'm usually up and about. And so I'm going to do my best to to deliver the same fun and educational content that we always do just via video today. So a couple of little housekeeping items while we get rolling. So those of you who are listening in by phone and who can't see us, we know you're there and we're so happy that you dialed in and we are recording this. So those of you who um, would like to share this later with a friend or someone you know, you'll be able to share it both uh, audio and video and we'll make that available to you. Naomi will give you an update on how to do that later. So um, the other thing I want to make sure that we point out is that our sponsors, um, although not here in the room with us, are here with us in spirit. And so I want to just give a couple, uh, a little shout out to a couple of people. First and foremost, uh, Villages OKC, who uh, have decided to launch a special for the next 60 days. So anyone who joins the Villages OKC for the next 60 days, it's $60 for the 60 days. And then if you decide to join for the year after that, they'll credit you the $60 off of your, your registration uh, or membership fee. The reason I bring that up is because in the midst of all of this coronavirus stuff and people are being kind of sequestered to their houses and quarantined, if you will, um, they are doing some pretty amazing stuff with their members to stay in touch. There's lots of phone calling. There's lots of emailing. There's uh, now some web conferencing. They're making store runs. They're just, there's just such a great group of people. And we know the people that live in a senior living community, all of our communities are doing an amazing job of helping folks that live there get out and get the things they need. But when you live at home, uh, you may not have as big a circle of friends. So the Villages OKC is, is there for you for that. So I just want to point that out. Um, we are Buckley Realty Group and OKC Mature Moves still open for business. We're still working with people one-on-one using um, all the health guidelines that you would expect. Uh, same with uh, Compass Senior Living Solutions, Bill Murr, and then same for Our Best Wealth Management and Edward Jones, um, Ball, Morris and Lowe, Cortez Law Firm, and Guardian Angel Elder Care Services. Most of us are small firms. Uh, We can meet with people one-on-one, and so that really is up to you in terms of if that's something that you feel like is urgent and you need to meet with somebody, certainly that's available um, to you. Just give us a call. And then all of our communities, to give them a shout-out, Bradford Village, Concordia, Fountains at Canterbury, Hefner Mansions, Lionwood, Spanish Cove, we've spoken with all of them, and they are, they're just, they are doing an amazing job of taking care of um, not only the residents who live at their communities, but also the people in the outside community who are getting ready to move in or thinking about moving in. They're having to do a little juggling, but doing a great job. And then some of our frontline people that are out there really like one-on-one working with people in healthcare, Providence Home Care, Synergy Home Care, and Oklahoma Palliative and Hospice Care, they are absolutely um, doing a phenomenal job in working with um, their folks to make sure everybody's taking health care precautions. So Chris is giving me a microphone because mine must be cutting out. So we're going to see if this helps a little bit. And then, of course, uh, Director's Life Insurance, assurance, rather, Linda Sargent, who um, is our new, one of our new sponsors this year, is also available uh, for those folks who are doing any kind of end-of-life planning or celebration of life planning. Okay. So, Anya, I think I covered all our sponsors. I think so. Yeah. I think we got them all. Yep. Okay, good deal. 
Um, so obviously, um, we're going to be talking about downsizing and decluttering. And why are we talking about it? We're talking about it because it's probably the biggest hurdle of people moving or yeah. wanting to move and thinking they can't because of their stuff. And then it's also a big hurdle for those who don't want to move but have all of this stuff, and it causes them depression, anxiety. It's it's heavy for them, and yeah. they don't know how to start to get rid of some of the stuff that they no longer want. Yep. So today our goal is to talk through this a little bit, the process. Absolutely. Some of the challenges, how, some of the solutions, yes. some of the costs, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I went to the National Association of Senior Move Managers Conference a couple weeks ago, right? Yes. And one of the things they talked about uh, was the word hoarder. They don't, they don't like the word hoarder, and so they're trying to, you know, get kind of like we don't like the word facility, Correct. right? Yeah. And there are certain words out there that are kind of taboo now. And the reason that they said they didn't like it is because it defines somebody, right? Like versus their behavior. Mm -hmm. And the hoarding behavior is different than the person, right? So one other thing I learned was that there is a difference between hoarding behavior and chronic disorganization, <laughs> right? We yes. talked about that. So most of the people we deal with are not hoarders. No. Most of them are disorganized, maybe. Yeah. A little, um, maybe have a lot of stuff, right? But hoarders, true hoarders, that's a psychological issue. And there's some pretty extensive studies on on those the reason people do that we're not going to get into that today right yeah because that, no. that's a whole that's a whole another issue yeah and we want to help those folks as best we can but today's not really the day we're going to talk about that yeah. yeah so decluttering and downsizing really deals more with people that just have a lot of stuff um, or more stuff than they can move with them right mm -hmm. or more stuff than they need and so we're going to talk about that um I was kind of talking to somebody at the conference and we and I have visited before about why we have move management. And one of the things I noticed at the conference is that there are literally three kind of categories of move managers. There's the move managers that became move managers because they were organizers, right? They, for a living, they did professional organizing and then they decided to start helping people do moves. And then there's the people who were, um, uh, move managers that are movers. So moving companies kind of thought, you know, we need some additional support. And so we're going to have move management. And then there are people like us who have a real estate team mm -hmm. who said our clients need move management. But people ask me, well, why don't you just use a move manager in your market instead of hiring somebody like you that came on and became a part of our organization? So I don't know if you remember this story or not, but back in early 2000, 2001, before NASM was really even a thing, right? Before the organization that, you know, has kind of organized move managers, if you will. There was a lady, and I'll call her name, her name be Ruth. We'll call her Ruth. I don't remember, actually remember <laughs> her name. It's been so long ago, but we sold her house. It was a little house, $36,000 house. Little wow. crackerjack box house. It was um, her and her brother had lived together for their entire lives. She had epilepsy and he was her caregiver. She mm -hmm. didn't drive, but she was perfectly independent other than the fact she really couldn't drive. She uh, and he lived together all their entire adult lives. He passed and she did not want to live alone. And so she decided to move and she, they didn't have a lot of income. Their home was not high value. So she was moving into a subsidized apartment uh, on the South side of Oklahoma city and well-kept, really nice apartment complex. Not big and posh, but, but it had everything she needed. And she didn't have a lot of money, so I was like, how are we going to get her moved, right? I loaded her stuff, Anya, in my Ford Explorer. And I took two or three trips over to the apartment complex. And Chris had to come over and help me hook stuff up and do some of the heavy lifting. But we did it ourselves. Wow. And it was like, oh my goodness, we can't, this is not, we can't be doing this, right? First mm -hmm. of all, liability, there's lots of reasons for that. But back at that point in time, I didn't think about any of that. I just knew she needed to get moved. So then we sold her house. Now, mind you, people think sometimes we're doing this to make money, right? Lots right. of money, lots of money. Well, I, how many times I drove the 30 minute down there and 30 minute back hour round trip for a $36,000 sale. We didn't charge her for anything else. And we had to split our commission, obviously, so we got 3% commission on that. And I don't know how many trips I took down there in the meantime. Every time I called, I would say, I'm coming. I'm on my way. Do you need anything? And she'd say, well, I'd like some milk from Brahms. I'm about out. 
So I'd stop at Brahms, I'd get her a half gallon of milk, and I'd show up at her house to do whatever we needed to do. You can only do so much of that, mm-hmm. right? So hence the position <laughs> that you hold now, which is the lead move manager, yes. right? Yeah. And you don't load people up in your car, right? No, and take them, right? <laughs> no yeah. I don't. Um, but the, we realized back then that that was a problem, right? Mm-hmm. That there were some people, not all, but some people who really needed the support. And they aren't usually frail. They're not usually in bad condition physically. It's just a big job for yeah. one person or even two. And especially if you haven't moved for a while. Right. Yeah. Oh, or ever. Or ever. Like she had never yeah. moved. Never. So there's definitely, this is definitely a topic that um, will benefit everybody. But I just kind of want to point out that there, there are the things that some people take for granted. Kind of like this whole, um, co- the coronavirus thing. There are some people, things we take for granted until we don't have them anymore. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think what happens is people have that same assumption. Oh, I can handle this move. I can do all this myself. I've done it before. And then when the time comes to do it, they kind of go, this is not what I thought it was, right? The resources mm-hmm. aren't there. Or they try it and they get themselves hurt. Yeah, we have a yes. client right now, actually, who we can talk about that did that. And, and it's unfortunate how many people do try to do it themselves, mm-hmm. right? So let's, let's define downsizing and then let's define decluttering. And then let's talk about why they should do it or not do it, okay. right? Like, what are some of the pros and cons so people can decide for themselves? Sure. Okay. So if you had to define decluttering for a client, like if somebody said, I want to declutter, what does that mean to you as a move manager? So decluttering is, and it's usually they want to stay in their current home, but they, ha- they know they have too much stuff, and it's taken over their home. So they would like for me to come in and declutter and help them go through and decide what stuff they don't need and get rid of that stuff. So that's decluttering. Okay, so let me clarify. Because there's this store down by Penn Square Mall called the Container Store, right? Yes. And so is your version of decluttering going to the container store and getting a bunch of containers and organizing it and putting it in closets and shelves and making sure that all their stuff fits? No, so my version of decluttering is going through and seeing what they don't want and taking it and getting it out of their house. Because if not, the next time I go visit them, everything we put we pulled out is back in its place and I think at first that's what makes them the most nervous is they're like you're gonna take this but then after I take it they're like I'm so glad you took it so for me it's okay you don't want this we're taking it and that's when I load it up in my vehicle if it's not furniture and take it and usually I'll take it to wherever they want it to be donated okay so point of clarification so we had at the conference that I went to you know it was such an eye-opener to me to hear people talk about what they call decluttering versus what we call decluttering. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that are professional organizers. They charge you know, anywhere from, say, $50 an hour to $100 an hour to help people organize their things, right? Yes. And they may get rid of a few things, but for the most part, they're not getting rid of stuff. They're just better organizing it, right? That's not what we're talking about here no. either. Okay. Nope. I want to be clear because yes. people come to our seminar, I think a couple of years ago, I had one lady who was really upset and she goes, well, I thought I was going to get tips about how to organize my stuff. And we're like, mm, no, oh. that's not what we do. No. Yeah. We want you to get rid of it. We can, we can refer you to someone who <laughs> yeah. does that, but yeah. we, our ultimate yeah. goal is getting that out of your house and getting rid of it. Yeah. So. Okay. So now downsizing is a different issue. It's a different, it's a completely so. different ball game ball game yeah Yeah. so what's downsizing so downsizing is when you're you're in your current space and you're you're going to move and go into a smaller space so I have a client right now who's in 3200 square foot home going down to a 1400 square foot home so she's downsizing she cannot take everything and so now we have to go through and decide what's most important to you to take where are you gonna put it when we get over there and then we can figure out space so downsizing is you are literally downsizing your living space and the items that you're bringing. Yeah. So if they have a three-bedroom, two-bath home, they're moving to a two-bedroom, one-bath home, right? With mm-hmm. Maybe they had two living areas, now they have one. They had 14 cabinets, now they have four. That's true downsizing. Correct, yeah. yes. Okay, got it. So let's, um, let's break these down into like... Um, both strategy but before we do that i want to just kind of talk about the why of it right let's start with decluttering okay which is not our really our main thing we do you do it 
when we have time and yes. we have clients that need it, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I can fit it in. Right. But most of the time you spend downsizing people, yes. right? So let's talk about the decluttering, though. Okay. And, and the couple of clients that you've worked with recently are, um, de- are decluttering. Yes. And so talk to me about why they're doing it and what you see their purpose for that being. So my one client, uh, she's 105, lives alone and not ready to move yet. But what she's wanting to do is declutter and start the process because she knows soon she'll be moving in with her daughter um, and she doesn't want them to handle it. She wants control over what happens to some of her stuff. And that's a big thing is a lot of times they, they want to be able to make that decision. She can't get around as well in her wheelchair in the house. So for her, decluttering is going to open up space for her to move around more. And so we went through and we worked in the main room that she kind of hangs out in. And we, we got rid of stuff. And she was great. She was a little hesitant at first. But I'm, I'm finding out now she's doing some of it on her own, like going through the kitchen. But So for her, it was, um, and I think it was her gentle way of telling her family, I know it's ha- going to happen soon where I can't live alone anymore. So I'm... I, it's almost as if she's letting them know, I'm willing to try, and so this is what we're going to do. And her daughter came over, and she was involved in it. We had a lot of fun, but for her, it's, it's, it's knowing the inevitable is going to happen. So right now, she has control over making these decisions. And, um, so for her, it's not about the family telling her she should do it, right? She's choosing. She's choosing. Right. Absolutely yeah. choosing to do this. She knows it needs to be done, and, um, and so she's doing it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting because one of the things that um, you know, we hear a lot of people say, it's kind of one or the other, people like her who says, you know what, I want to do this because I want to be in charge of what happens. Mm-hmm. And then you have other people who say, you know, I don't care what happens. When I'm gone, do whatever you want to yep. with it. Yeah. But while they're living here that stuff seems to be really important. I watched a show, I don't know if you've seen it yet, um, they just aired it the other night called um, uh, Strange Inheritance. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, so they have Strange Inheritance. It's been out a while, and then one of the episodes was a guy up in Tulsa, and so that's why it caught our attention. And uh, Lewis Dakel, one of the big auction companies here in the area, did an auction for a guy who they called an industrial hoarder. Okay. And he he basically collected, he didn't hoard, they called it that, but he collected industrial sized items like big file cabinets and lots of steel they said like three million pounds of steel um he would go buy pallets of things that were being sold from um like lockheed martin and different places right and so he would he died when he was 80 and the show was a sale that they did in 2016 and the son and daughter son and granddaughter were being interviewed and they were giddy they were so excited about getting rid of all this stuff. And the, the granddaughter even said at one point, the interviewer asked her, are you, um, are you exhilarated or exhausted? And she said, kind of both. She said, my grandfather would probably be rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> and she laughed, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I feel about that. Because here, all these years, he collected this stuff, and it was important to him. And the son said, we just want it gone. Yeah, and I think that just shows you the difference in generations, too, yeah. where um, you know, the clients I work with are very proud of what they have, whereas their, their kids and grandkids are like, we just don't want to deal with it. And so it's better if you can handle that right. yourself. You know, yourself and have that choice of what happens. Yeah. And, and, and she did. I mean, we went through, and um, she made some tough decisions, and she felt so much better. She's like, I didn't even know this room was this big. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So for yeah. her, she enjoyed it. My other client, she's, you know, she's staying where she's, she knows she's going to stay where she's at for a while. Her husband had passed away and she, um, there was some stuff of his that she finally needed to kind of let go of. So mm-hmm. I came over and helped her mm-hmm. with that. So there are kind of different yeah. spectrums for, for decluttering, but it's typically people who want to stay. Yeah. And so Anya, um, there are lots of books. Right. Marie Kondo has a book everybody's been talking about lately. It's the newest, latest, and greatest. You know, we have Downsizing Made Easy that we give people. and um, So people should just be able to do it. I mean, there's a hundred books. Why don't people just do it? Exactly. It's because (laughs) you can read a book, and that's fine, but sometimes you need someone to help you get motivated and know where to start. Because what happens is you read these books, and they say, you know, 
does this bring me joy? Does this, you know, all of right. these things. But, and then you look at your stuff and all of a sudden you are so overwhelmed yeah. because you don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, I've often had clients tell me, like, I just, I don't even know how all of a sudden I can do this. And you're like, I'm doing it and you're standing here. I'm like, it's because you've got, some, you've got that support system right, right there with you, yeah. encouraging you. And when they get stuck, I walk them through. Sure. You know, they'll get stuck maybe yeah. looking at pictures. And so we'll walk through that. So, um, you know, the books are great. And, um, but sometimes the books aren't practical when you're in the midst it's of it. kind of like a it. treadmill. Right. Yes. All these people who went out and bought treadmills or Pelotons, right? And they've mm-hmm. got them in their houses and they're sitting there being unused. Collecting clothes. Collecting clothes. <laughs> How many of those have you been through? Um, almost, almost every house. house. <laughs> yeah. almost, almost every house. Yeah. And the fact is people know what they're supposed to do and for the most part they know how to do it Mm -hmm. they have their own way of doing it but we're not motivated to do it and so I think there's two parts there's a book that I've been reading recently called the paradox of choice the paradox of choice and I don't know who the author is but I'm listening to it on audible and he goes through all the psychology of why choices are difficult and also why they exhaust us so like when I know when you're going through closets with clients that have you know, two racks, lower rack and upper rack and a huge walk-in closet the size of my office, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, they're having to make a decision. Every single decision that they're having to exert takes energy. It does. So when people try to downsize or declutter, they think, oh, I'll just take a weekend. Yeah. And do it. But by two hours later, they're exhausted and they're like, why am I so tired? It's the emotional aspect of it as well. Um, and it's, and, and like, for example, with closets, I recently had to come, I do workshops and one of the workshops, the lady's struggling getting rid of her suits because those suits defined who she was when she she had a career. And, um, and so it's not, it's not the suits themselves. It's what they represented. So, so we had, well, hello. (laughs) So we had to, um, go ahead and have a conversation about, what those suits represented and she's going she's going to go home and donate them but it took just talking it through so a lot of times you don't realize she didn't put the connection together yeah she couldn't was, figure out why she wouldn't want to get rid of them she couldn't figure out why right. and so sometimes it's not about the physical right. decluttering it's w- having someone there to walk through with you why you're feeling that right. and giving you permission right. to let go of something yeah i love it yeah yeah Giving people permission, giving grown people permission to get rid of suits that either no longer fit or no longer in style or that they no longer wear. Right. Or that that their mother passed something down to them or their grandmother. Oh, my my grandmother would roll over her grave if I gave that away. Well, I'm giving you permission to let go of it. And so I've had uh, several people say that when you said you gave me permission, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that. Yeah. And so that's what, when you have someone there helping you do it, that's what it's all about. I know you can do it on your own. So (laughs) we all can do it on our own. I have a, I want to bring something up about what you just said, because what you just did with that client, the hypothetical client we're talking about right now, which you've done many times in real life, that's coaching, right? That's not, that's not organizing. It's not moving. It's not decluttering. That's called coaching. And I think what people don't realize sometimes is that when they hire somebody, like sometimes people get frustrated, they'll hire an organizer and they want the organizer to just come in and do what they want them to do, but they can't read their mind and they can't articulate what they want. And what you're doing is you're listening to body, you're watching body language, you're listening to words that they say, you're connecting dots from their past to their present to their future goals and then pointing them out that's called coaching right Right. yes and that's a skill set not everybody has not everyone has it right yeah matter of fact when i was at the nasa conference i had a nice conversation with a lady who'd been in move management for many years Uh, it was at our speed networking table and she said yeah she said you know the i told her we were having a little frustration in our business trying to figure out how to properly price our services and how to structure time and that kind of thing she goes yeah it's tough she said we don't like to come in and we want to know when we get there that that person has already made all the decisions oh she goes we just stick stickies on it and then we get packers in there and movers in there and we just get it done and i'm like oh wow <laughs> so who's helping them make the decisions and she goes that's not our problem 
And I call that a transactional move manager, right? They're right. just there to manage the move. And what we do is really a little different. It's absolutely, it's relational. It's there's times I'll come in to a client. I have a client right now making the first move on her own after her husband passed away. And, um, and she's very, you know, very well put together and very strong and, uh, walked in the other day and we spent an hour and a half of her pretty much crying and talking through how she was feeling and you can't put a price tag on that right Right. you can't i don't want her to look at her watch and be like okay this and by the way therapists do put a price tag on that (laughs) therapists charge basically 160 180 dollars an hour Mm -hmm. for that yeah and sometimes you know we're not going through the stuff sometimes they just need someone to talk to so um the thing i'm proud about with okc mature moves is that we we are not your norm so obviously it's not a sales pitch, it's not us, a sales pitch right? No. The reason I bring it up I'm, is I want people to know that no matter who they hire, they need to know that not all things are equal. And what services do they and offer? And what services do they offer? Yeah. So to to point out some of the move managers out there that are transactional, some clients may need that. That's all they need. Mm-hmm. They already have everything picked out. They don't need any conversation around it. They just need it done. Totally fine. Um, there are people out there that do estate sales in addition to their move management service, which we don't do. Correct. We oversee it, right, and coordinate it. So there's all these different things when people are decluttering. The question is, uh, do, like you said, you put stuff in your car and take it to the donation site. Some people don't do that. They do not. No. They'll help them bag it, and they'll arrange for a pickup potentially, but they won't take it somewhere. So, yeah. So the decluttering process is what I'm hearing you say is it's both emotional um, it's physical, mm-hmm. right? And there's some psychology behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the people who aren't making progress, which one of those three things do you think they're struggling with the most? The emotional part of it. Yeah. 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 I think so too. Yeah. And the unconscious that. too, right? Yeah. Like there's an unconscious, like you said, the lady didn't realize that the reason she didn't want to get of her, get rid of her suits was not in her conscious awareness. It was unconscious. Right. And so it wasn't even emotional. It doesn't sound like it was more almost like it was just an unconscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about downsizing. Okay. Okay. Let's shift gears and we can come back to the decluttering if you want to. Um, But downsizing. Um, Oh, this is a tough one. Well, and I I, I hesitate (laughs) because I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, people want to sometimes declutter before they downsize. Yes. So they'll say, I need to get rid of a bunch of stuff so that I can downsize. Experientially, what do you say to those people? Yeah, you don't have to declutter to go ahead and downsize. Um, what you do is just focus on taking, focus on what you're taking with you. And then if you do hire a move manager, they're gonna help you handle the stuff that stays behind, whether that's an estate sale or donations. I think sometimes people, um, they make it harder than it needs to be, right? They think, oh, I've gotta take, this to this donation company and they they feel like they need to go to 20 different places um before they can even get started and realistically all they need to do is just to start to decide what they want to take with them and then let everything else fall into place well and i think doesn't that i think from a real estate perspective that goes back to what they've done in the past absolutely and this move is not like it's not like any other move any other move they have it's not they're not moving because they want a corner lot with a pool right or they're and they're not taking everything and they're not taking everything so usually in our experience you know with regular real estate where people are not downsizing they come in the moving truck comes everything is packed and loaded on the truck Mm -hmm. and the house is empty for the day of closing but you're proposing the the model that that we use which is pick what you're going to take move it first yes correct yeah matter of fact um those people that want a copy of that we would have been given this out at the yes. at the seminar but since you're not at the seminar um we're happy to provide this to you um in the mail or as a free download and also um we'll have it at the next seminar absolutely so at your table the most important thing with downsizing is to try to make it as easy as possible it's already stressful emotionally and the, with the move and so if you try to declutter before you downsize you're just adding in work that's not necessary yeah Okay, well, so let's say there is a bunch of stuff then that mm-hmm. I need to get rid of, and you're telling me I don't need to yet, and I pick everything I'm going to take, and we move it, and now I've got a house full of stuff left. Yeah, so your options are you can talk to estate sale companies um, about doing a sale in your house, or um, you can do like some of my clients do where they donate everything, and they have um, a donation company that comes, packs everything up, and takes it with them, 
Um, and so you have a couple different options of what you can do. Right. Okay. So devil's advocate, my stuff's worth a lot more money than this donation. I don't, that's not, I'm not going to donate all this good stuff that I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on over the years and my mom's china and my dining room table that I got for my 20th wedding anniversary and um you want me to just donate that your option you don't have many options with that and so what what we'll do with clients is we'll bring the estate sale companies out and let them meet with them I'm not an expert when it comes to this the value of things I can pretty much tell you just in the market what's what's selling what's not so we bring the estate sale companies out and they get they have that tough conversation with you um, about it because it's unfortunately things just aren't the value of it isn't what it used to be we had a client um, or a potential client I should say um, not hire us Uh, last year I think it was I went out on the appointment and you weren't with me that's probably why I didn't get the (laughs) get the sale but um, I thought I did a phenomenal job as I left there. I mean, I, you know, covered all the bases, and she wanted she had a big two-story house, big four thousand square foot, big two-story house, and um, but she didn't have a lot of stuff, right? She she was a minimalist, I would say, and she wasn't cluttered or disorganized at all. And she said, "Well, I want to have an estate sale," and I said, "Well, that's certainly an option." I said, "I'm going to tell you that there's a." chance you may not get to have an estate sale because of not having enough stuff when she didn't hire us for real estate or move management i inquired as to what her decision was based on and she said well i didn't like the fact that you told me i didn't have enough stuff for an estate sale so i just went with somebody else and i said well what did they tell you and she said oh yeah i had plenty of stuff for an estate sale well she did have an estate sale yeah. Uh, as it turns out and um, from my understanding I don't have exact numbers but let's just say she came out with around say a thousand dollars or so for her entire house full of stuff in her pocket but it took three months to do that and so the time that it took um, was really the issue right, right for me is three like, months yeah. of having mm-hmm. your house empty yeah. and yeah. not on the market yeah. for a thousand dollars yeah and I'm guessing she probably wasn't real happy with the amount of money probably not and that's what we're finding a lot right. is that people just it's not bringing in what they thought it was and so mm-hmm. it's almost a heartbreak for them yeah. and that's where we have to have some tough conversations with our clients and we have to be honest with them and you know I'll bring out a couple different companies to mm-hmm. to talk to them and kind of walk them through it um, and I've started to get to the point now where I'm asking them okay what would you like to do with it then? Right. I understand it's got has value to you. Right. So what would you like to do? Because these are the two, kind of the two choices that we have. Right. Um, and do you want to have your house empty for three months? Um, you know, we've had clients that have done that mm-hmm. um, for that estate sale, and then the air conditioner goes out in the summer. Yeah, and now they're out that money. The hot water heater goes out, yeah. and if they would have kind of maybe taken some of the suggestions we gave them that house would have been sold right and that would happen for the new owners so let's talk about the client we referred to early in the conversation who recently had a hospitalization okay yeah um we we do have her house sold it is going to be closing but she opted to not hire our move management team Correct. right she went with a transactional move management company Um, which is fine that's totally everybody's option I mean we certainly respect that we were concerned about it because of her um, uh, just her her health right mainly yeah and so anyway um, as I understand from you guys that she had a fall as she was prepping for kind of going through things before the estate sale right right yeah which is something that the move management team would have been there helping right. her. Our move management team. Would Our have, move yeah. management team, because yeah. we do from start to finish. Yeah. Um, so there so. was that gap, and this is what I worry about. So there's a gap, and this is why you have to ask people kind of um, when they're interviewing move management companies, what exactly is included? Because what we understand is that some companies, and this is true all around the country, this isn't just locally, right? So all around the country is that sometimes what they'll do is they'll they'll get you moved, get you resettled, get everything put away, and the estate sale part's your problem. Yes. Right? Then, you know, and when that happens, that to me, we actually had a client that we were helping 
Uh, I remember, uh, I won't call her out because <laughs> you know, she's still one of our favorite clients, so I'm not going to throw under the bus, but she didn't take your advice nope. and she was carrying stuff. I think it was from the house to the car. Yes, it was books. Books in a box and tripped on the crease of the driveway or the yes, sidewalk. Yes, the driveway. Yeah, and fell and hit her face on the box, thankfully, not the ground right uh no she hit the, the, she hit ground, the ground got yeah. a, a bad black eye right. i had happened to just stop by that day um to check on her because i knew she was there doing things i told her not to do yeah so i happened to be able to help her yeah. when she yeah. fell. fell that's but right she yeah. did not yeah it yeah. was bad it was bad broke her glasses i yeah. recall you know and i here's the thing you and i are all about giving people control mm -hmm. it's their decisions absolutely right? they have the rights their stuff they can do what they yep. want to with it but you and I've been around the block a few yes. times, right? We yes. do this hundreds of times, and we figure out we've learned over the years the potential risks and pitfalls. Absolutely, right? I'm going to use an example of my parents moved here in December from Pennsylvania. Uh, my dad is almost seventy. We moved a lot in the military. The military moved us. So yeah, it was different. Um, and on this uh, this move, he didn't necessarily want to listen to me, and that's okay. Right. It's his well, because you're his daughter, I'm his and daughter, you're twelve still, right? I'm still twelve. Um, but you know, now that he's got here, he said, "Anya, I didn't realize until it was too late that my thought process is not the same it used to be. My energy level is not the same it used to be, and I wish I would have taken your advice at the beginning because this was the hardest." thing I'd ever did and I would never do it again um, because you know it's just and he's you know retired chief in the Air right. Force and but he his like my my decision-making isn't the same yeah. I felt lost a lot of times I felt confused about what to do these are all and you know he's 69 and he's healthy and still on the go but I think sometimes what our clients don't realize is they're getting a lot of noise from adult children friends and family who, who think they know what's best for them. And it, this is a way for them to hold on to that control and say, I can do it. And yes, you can do it, but let's make sure that you don't right. exhaust yourself. You know, when I first started here, I had a client that ended up in the hospital with pneumonia because he did not want to listen and let me yeah. help him as much. Yeah. And he, he just ran right. himself ragged and was in the hospital for almost two months. You know what I'm imagining right now, and this is just timing. I hadn't thought about this in preparation, but you're describing that. And I'm thinking these are the same people who think they're immune to the coronavirus mm -hmm. and who are choosing to not take precautions. Absolutely. And My parents aren't. Yeah. yeah. And... And we can't stop that. There are going to be people who are going to live their life however they choose to do it. I think the people that are probably, for us, the people that, the pragmatists out there, right? The people who go, you know what, it's just not pragmatic for me to do this myself, right? Mm -hmm. Are the people who take advantage of um, move management services. So let's talk about the people like your dad and others who say, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. I am going to do it myself. I'm not paying you guys to do this for yes. me. All right. So let's give them some guidance. Okay. Because we know they're out there. They're out um, there. I can't stop it. Um, they're going to they're gonna do it themselves, some people. Right. And some people have family members. And they do. Yeah. They're relying on. Um, and so this is, this is also something we should probably just cover for them. So we're going to talk about downsizing because from what I hear you saying is if they're going to stay put, decluttering... That's a different issue. Yes. So let's talk about people who think they're going to move. Okay. Okay. So where do they start? What's the first thing they should do um, besides figure out where they're going to move? I was just going to say, figure out where they're going <laughs> to yeah. go. Okay. First step, <laughs> step one, where are you moving? Step one, where are you moving? What do you got? Okay. I think the next step would be to start figuring out the space that you're moving into, um, really comparing how many rooms am I moving into versus how many rooms do I have now? Really looking at your cabinet space, your closets, and kind of getting an idea of what areas you're really going to have to downsize in. Yeah. You know, some people, when they move, they don't really have to downsize their kitchen because it's going to be about the same amount. It might be closets right. or cabinets. And then you have to start identifying what you want to take with yeah. you. And I would do room by room. Yeah. And I would, I, I always encourage clients, let's do a room at a time and let's celebrate that room when we're done. I'm big on celebrating. Like once you've completed something, you give yourself a pat on the back. So going room by room and deciding what you're going to be able to take. Vetting your moving company. 
you know, when you're when you're getting to that, if you do have a moving company, you don't have family and friends. Okay, so let's talk about that because I, this is also something I realized recently in a conversation with somebody that oh, it may have been at the conference. Movers now, in order to schedule a move, all, almost all of them want you to do it online now. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Now you don't do it online. You I don't call, do it online. You just call them. I call them, yeah. and you know my clients. They they don't have to take care of any of okay. that. I handle all that for them. But the do-it-yourselfers are going to have to go online. Are going to probably go online. Yeah. Okay. And pick a date and a time. Yes. And basically, they're going to have to, when that mover gets there, do they have to have decided and have it all packed up? or It depends. They'll definitely have to have it decided of what they're taking, and they're going to have to have it. Um, some way of knowing of the packing team knowing what they want to take with them right. whether that's putting a sticky note on it whatever um, the packing team will come in and they'll pack it up and then the they'll move it for them mm-hmm. now that costs extra sure obviously um, and if they're just if they're packing it themselves um, then the moving company would just come in and take all that right okay and so they've got to, they basically, you, like you said, they can be vetting movers. What are mm-hmm. some of the things they need to be looking for in a, in a mover if they're moving, say, to a senior living community? Because that's a different kind of move. I, yeah, I would definitely ask that moving company if they're familiar with moving to a senior community, if they're familiar with the area, they're going to need to know where to park. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be asking them, you know, how do they load things on the truck? Um, what's their hourly rate? Are they paying from the time that they mm-hmm. leave their their destination to, to getting their house? Yeah. Um, and I would just ask them for reviews. And yeah, one of the things I, I noticed when we were doing getting estimates for movers, you give them an address. Here's here's a problem I saw. Tell me if this is rings true. Okay. So we say, okay, we're going from this house to this apartment complex, senior living community. It's three three stories. And they go, okay, great. And the moving company plugs in point A and point B. Mm -hmm. But then they get there and realize that the person is on the third floor at the far end of the building. And they have to use the front door and the elevator that is the furthest from the room. So they have to park out here in the North 40. They have to roll everything to the door, go in the door, up the elevator, down the hall, and then back down the hall and back down the elevator and back to their truck. And that adds a little time. That adds a lot of time. <laughs> Is that something most moving companies consider? Yeah. No, they don't consider they it. They don't consider no, it. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. That is not their estimate. Now, yeah. um, when I, the moving company I use, I always let them know they're right. going to be on the third floor. There's uh, some of the communities have a smaller elevator. Um, I'll let them know what size the elevator is. I'll let them know how far of a walk yeah. it's going to be so that that's all added into the estimate. Right. So the do-it-yourselfer folks need to remember to tell their moving company that this is the situation. Absolutely. Otherwise, their estimate is probably going to be off by a few hours. Absolutely. Yeah. And you need to know uh, if you're moving to a community, there are certain hours that they ask you not move in due to like lunch or dinner. So you need to let them know all of those parameters as well. Yeah. So it's a communication thing. It's a communication thing. Yeah. Okay. And then what about, um, you know, the, the time from the time they move to the time they, uh, they get the house on the market, there's this limbo period, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so for do it yourselfers, um, what would you say about estate liquidators and how, I know this is a big, we could do a whole webinar on yeah. just this topic, but I would just say, um, are, from your perspective, well, if they call the estate liquidator that they know, mm-hmm. are they likely to do the sale? Um, they'll, I'm, uh, they'll all come out and meet with them. They'll all come out and meet with them. Um, we, there are not a lot of people who will do the smaller sales without you having a setup fee, a pretty yeah. hefty yeah. setup fee. There's just a few of those. Um, there's out a there. few yeah. of those out there. Uh, you have to be very careful that when you're talking to them, um, you have to ask yourself, do I, am I potentially going to have to write them a check at the end? Well, you mean write them a check for doing your sale? Yes. Oh. Because what happens is um, if they have a setup fee and they have a set fee and then the percentage that they take out, if they don't meet that, if you don't make enough to cover that setup fee, you're paying you're them. You're paying to do the them. Sale to do a sale and you've really got to 
yeah. really got to ask all those questions when you're talking to them um, because that's the last thing you want to do. Right. And once it's happened, it's too late. It's, too, it's late. too late. And we have to remember that the asset is your house. It's not the items in it. The items in it are not, they're not going to make you rich. Right. You're not going to get a lot of it out of it. Um, and so I've, I've had clients tell me at the end, it was more of a, of a heartbreak, heartache for them doing the estate sale mm -hmm. than the money they got. Yeah. Um, because it was, they were just, they would have rather it been donated and not have had this, in their words, this measly check that I got for the stuff that I loved and worked hard for. I would have rather, looking back, and they were given the options, right. by the way. Right. They chose the estate sale, but looking back, they wish they would have donated. Right. Yeah. Because it was a heartbreaking for them. Well, you know, in that book I was telling you about, The Paradox of Choice, um, it's a very, very technical book. There's a lot of statistics and a lot of studies that he refers to and all that. But really what he boils it down to is um, regret, right? So we have all mm -hmm. these choices. And in this case, let's say they have two or three choices. They have an estate sale, they have donate, and they have... Um, uh, maybe give to their family and friends or something like that. Those are their three choices. And it's hard for people to choose because they're afraid if I choose this, then I'll be, I'll regret not choosing the other. Right. Right. And I, what I hear you saying is that people need to choose whatever they choose mm -hmm. for whatever reasons. Like we're not going to tell them they shouldn't do a sale or they shouldn't donate. We're going to tell them these are your options. And what you're saying is just don't look back. Right. Just and the funny thing is, they almost want me to make a decision for them. I know. They, they're they don't like, want the regret. They, they want don't to want blame it. you if it goes back. Right. So they're looking at me like, well, what do you think I should do? And I will never answer it because right. that needs to, I can't tell them what to right. do. Um, and I won't even usually give them a suggestion. I right. need them to make that decision right. and be okay with right. it in the, at the end. Right. It's, it's like you going to the mall with me. And if I said I needed a new suit and I want you to pick it. <laughs> right. You're like, uh, no, uh, no. I'm going to pick a suit for me because if you end up picking the wrong suit and then I wear it and I don't like it and it doesn't feel good, whose fault is that? Yeah, it's, it's mine. And so there are certain decisions we have to make. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, because there, there technically is a different, another option, and that would be the worst option you could ever, ever, ever think of, and that's garage sales. I knew there was another option. <laughs> like, what? And maybe I just put it out of my mind. I'm like, why can't I think of Because it's such a horrible option. option. It's a horrible option. It's, I had a client recently do a garage sale, and I am pretty sure he regretted every moment of it. He met with the estate sale companies. He felt like um, it was going to be too much of a percentage of them getting right. it felt like it was going to be too long waiting right. so without me even knowing right. he started oh, he, he didn't did. even yeah he snuck that by me I would I had called him to ask him um, what his decision was about the estate sale companies and he said well I'm gonna go ahead and do a garage sale and I'm pretty sure like they heard me in another country like what, what? <laughs> and um, and it, he was exhausted after it it didn't do nearly as good as he thought it was going right. to be yeah. and um so garage sales is another option but right. just know that you're going to make way less than yeah. you would even yeah. a, an estate sale company taking out their percentage because right. garage sales people are programmed to get a deal and negotiate whereas the state sales doesn't. Yeah, they're going to pay a quarter for something that the yeah. state liquidator might have gotten a dollar and covered their own cost. So if you're thinking about doing a garage sale, I would say, I haven't, let's just say this, I haven't heard anyone yet say they were glad they did it, except no. for one client that her daughter did it for her, so she didn't have to do anything. Right. And she was happy that, you know, it was Well, like, and don't you think, too, that sometimes the adult children, sometimes they need to feel needed? Yes, and especially the, if there's a movie manager involved. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And adult daughters, um, they come in from out of town. Yes. Yeah. And they, they feel a little bit maybe guilty Yep. that they're not as uh, helpful as they would like to be in their mind. It's not that they're, they don't want to be helpful. But so doing a garage sale is sometimes that, oh, well, that's what I can do for it's you. It's their way of contributing. It is, yeah. 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 So in all fairness, it's not it's not that we hate garage sales as much as the fact that people have regret. They have regrets. always. And the clients, if they're doing it themselves, it's physically exhausting for yeah. them. But if oh, you've yeah. got someone who yeah. will do it for you. Yeah. So just, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I know we're limited on time, but the reason for that um, is goes 
there's a lot of reasons for why estate sales don't bring much money these mm-hmm. days, right? Yes. Let's just touch on a couple of them real quick. So people understand because the people, if there are people listening in on this call or watching this that have not really heard this talk before, this might be surprising to them. Yes. Yeah. So number one reason that estate sales and garage sales and things like that are not bringing in as much as they used to, what's your, what do you want to wager a guess on? I'll give you my opinion, but I want to hear yours first. Um, I, I think it's the stuff they're selling. People just aren't interested anymore. People don't want China. They don't want these. Right. They don't want a t- table that serves twelve people. Um, they don't want these big hutches, these big entertainment centers, and so it's just items that, um, that they're no longer trendy. They're really, no longer trendy. Yeah, yeah. they were. They, oh yeah, and absolutely. Now yeah, and I can tell the ones that are trending because every client has them. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So if everyone has a massive entertainment center, we know, and every thrift store in town has one they can't sell for $25, then we know that that's not really going to sell at an estate sale. Correct. Or if it does, it's going to bring penance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing is the whole um, uh, internet, right? eBay and all the online sales sites now, um, people can sell stuff and it's, there's a flood, right? It's, there's too much. Crazy. Yeah. Too much. Um, and then of course the other thing that I think people don't realize is the resellers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who, what, I forget which estate liquidator, one of our state liquidators told us that they have a following of people that come to estate sales and they try to buy things that they know they can buy here for $5 and go resell for 10 Yes. Online. Absolutely. Yeah. So there are people that are kind of making this a job, mm-hmm. right? That's how they make money is they go buy stuff and then they resell it. Um, I, I don't know how to, I, I, when people go online and they look at stuff and they go, well, this is on sale on the computer. This is for sale. Somebody's selling this for $25. I'm like, yeah, but they bought it for five at a, at a, at an estate sale. Yeah. And the person who did the estate sale was probably glad to get the five because they just wanted it gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And now this person's profiting on it. Well, they go, well, why didn't I make the 25? <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you want to put it online, take the pictures, write the narrative, meet with people? Like I tried to sell a handbag on uh, Facebook Marketplace this last week, and the lady told me, oh, immediately, I want it. Okay, great. Here we are a week later, and she's like, well, I need to talk to my girlfriend, and well, I need this, and well, I need that. I may never sell that bag to her. Right. But I have to field those messages. Mm -hmm. So the resale market is not easy. It's not easy. The people who are doing it are either really, really good at it, or they're trying to make an extra buck, right? Yeah. Typically it's people who, you know, they have a spouse that has an income and this is their right. way of like side gig. Yeah. 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 You're not doing it to make a bunch of money. Yeah. Well, we also recently had a client whose neighbor decided to do their estate sale. Yeah. And, yeah. and they've put it off and put it off and put it off. And now the house is sitting there empty for an extended period of time. So you have a, a 200, let's just say, I don't know exactly the price of the house, but let's say it's a $200,000 asset that now has been delayed due to a maybe thousand or two thousand dollar estate sale exactly so they're spending utilities yeah. and taxes and all that stuff yeah it's it's crazy anyway i could go on and on yes. about that right you <laughs> That's know a touchy subject it's a touchy for us. subject for us <laughs> okay so um let's let's uh what do you, what else what do you want to add to what we've talked about we've got a few minutes to kind of wrap things up and then i don't know if naomi's taking questions or not um chris are we they'll put them in the public chat we'll they, be glad Okay, so if you can type into the public chat, if you're on the computer, if you're tuning in that way, then um, if, you're a, if you're somebody who's thinking about decluttering or downsizing, feel free to type into the public chat and we'll field some questions. I think a couple of things I want to touch base on when you're downsizing is try not to focus on how much you paid for the item. That's where a lot of people get just, they, they get so stuck in letting go of stuff because they know exactly how much they paid for it X amount of years ago. And try not to get stuck on that because that doesn't do you any good. Um, and it just makes it harder to to let go of stuff. And I, I get it. Everything you bought, you bought because you like. But if you're downsizing, you can't take everything. So you've got to kind of prioritize for you what's important. In the book, that book I was telling you about, Paradox of Choice, they call those sunk costs. Right? Okay, yeah. yeah. So you buy this and you then you resell it for less. That's a sunk cost. You're not getting that back. 
Yeah. Okay. So just yeah. Deal. I like yeah, that. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I see a lot of times is um, people have in their mind, oh, I've got to donate this to the museum or I've got to donate my yearbooks back to OU. I promise you that OU and all these universities have a ton of stuff. So um, while that's a great idea, you can get so overwhelmed in trying to research that. Um, and it's it's overwhelming to think, oh, I need to donate these items here and these items here. Um, you have earned the right to be able to just donate it to one place and let them handle it. Um, because that seems to be where a lot of people get exhausted mentally right. and physically well and we've even seen people you know drive all around town to do that like yes. they'll drive to norman they'll drive to guthrie they'll drive out of state even to take this stuff and i'm like okay so how emotionally attached or how much and i and i get it like i really do because there's something about preserving history right mm -hmm. but at what cost exactly to you yeah i mean what's the chance what if you have a car accident mm-hmm um, how much gas are you spending? How many, you know, all these things. And I'm asking myself, does that make sense? And again, that's a psychological thing. Absolutely. That's different. People value different things differently. Mm -hmm. And so just ask yourself, what's the cost, potential cost of doing that? And yeah. your time. And, and so time. I, I touched on this earlier, but I want to just uh, say it again. Give yourself permission to let go of stuff and especially stuff that family members have given you. Um, I When I give a gift, I don't expect someone to keep it forever. I expect them to, you know, they'll enjoy it if they enjoy it, and if not, um, but I, I can't tell you how many times I come in and um, a client will have four different china sets that were, that's my aunt and my grandma and my mom, and they have this emotional guilt that they're almost being held prisoner with this yeah. stuff. So just give yourself permission to let that right. stuff go. Well, and so let's talk about that briefly because I think that what has happened over the years is some people have kept that stuff because a family member back when they bought it or back when they collected it said, this is going to be worth something someday. Yes. Right? Yes. They didn't want you to keep it because they thought you were going to use it or love it or enjoy it or even want to display it. They, they thought they were giving you an investment. Yes. Right? And then now, current day, is it an investment? No. No. If it was a stock or a bond, it'd be the same issue, right? Correct. It's They yeah. look at it and they go, okay, this this is no longer valuable, so it's okay to get rid of it. Because the reason mom wanted you to have it to begin with is because there probably was some value. At that time, at there that probably time. was, yeah. In their mind. But so things have be. just changed yeah. so much now yeah. with the value of, yeah. of, of things. Now, obviously, things like uh, coins, um, if people have rare coins oh, or they yeah. have rare art or they have famous uh sculptures things like that then that stuff can be researched absolutely and there may be like an auction house that can take care of those mm -hmm. things but we're talking about everyday normal people uh, like me who yeah i just have normal everyday stuff me too chances are it's not going to go for big bucks uh online you got to stop watching these antique shows yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah lord have mercy stop watching that and stop watching hgtv yes, right yeah because your house didn't have to be that way either. Right. Stuff yet. Okay, so what else you got there? Anything else you uh, wanted to add to that? Oh, be okay with your family not wanting your stuff. It's mm. probably one of the hardest pills to swallow. Um, I'm, I am kind of, I get a little sassy with my clients when they say, not to them, but in the situation, and they'll say, well, my granddaughter wants that. Great, when she, can she pick it up? Well, she lives in California. Okay, so can she be here next weekend? Because it's not your responsibility to house this until she can get here. Or so you could ship it. They I can suppose, ship it. Yeah. But if family members want it, they need to make arrangements to get it, especially if you have a date you're already moving. I've had clients literally keep their house house so that the items that their children want they can travel across that's an expensive storage unit expensive storage um, but unit. be okay with the fact that your kids and your grandkids and your family yeah. members might not want that stuff um, and it, it's a hard pill to swallow but things are changing with what people like and right. um, and I know I, it means something to you but for them it, they don't have that attachment to it well and you know I think it's interesting that when people put off getting something like I'll get it I'll get it I'll get it it's a polite way of saying I don't want it yeah yeah, yeah. and so at some point there's got to be a deadline yes right and yep. and by the way as a as a person who had that happen in my life let that person off the hook too like it's okay that you don't want the china right i'm not going to hold that against you yeah right? i love you anyway because i think we as younger the younger generation of that kind of stuff 
feel guilty when we don't take it. And that's a lot to carry yes. too. And I don't think they intend that. They no, just think not that's, at all. That's on us. And I, I yeah. tell, I'll tell people, um, why don't you do, you set up a weekend, have your family that's local come have lunch and let everyone walk through, identify what you want. And then let everyone walk through. And if they want something, they'll take it. But no pressure of like, oh, do you want this? Do you yeah. want that? Just yeah. have a family get together and let them decide what if they want anything. Yeah. And then both parties aren't feeling like right. they're... But do that after you've moved. After you've after moved. After all your after stuff's gone. And take yeah. what you want. I've got a couple right. clients that are like, oh, my son really wants that. Great. He can have it when you're done with it. <laughs> right. But if you want it, you're going to take it. <laughs> And they're like, well, I like that answer. I'm like, good. Yeah. Permission. Again. <laughs> yeah. Permission. Yeah. yeah. Chris, you said we had a question from the chat room. Okay, so the question is, how do I know how much I can deduct for donations? And we're not CPAs, yeah. So I think you have to you have to talk to your CPA about that. I'd love to help you on that. But um, th at the end of the day, I think there's a there's a uh, first of all, you have to have the ability to do that. You have to have a deductible. What is the word, Chris? Um, you have to have the receipt. I, I don't even want to cover that. I, if I try to cover that, I'm just going to mess it up. I know the answer, and I cannot get it out of my mouth. It's got to be greater than the standard deduction. It's got to be greater than the standard deduction. So if you're donating all year long and you're collecting receipts, your CPA is going to be able to tell you kind of what normal household items and things like that you can put in there without being, you know, getting in trouble. Yeah, that's out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Right. We handle getting the receipt for you. Yeah. What you do with the receipt is up to you and your CPA. Yes. Yeah. So the other thing is, is uh, we've got a person who's asking about getting rid of personal items. Doesn't have a problem with it, but he just can't put it in the big food dumpster. Yeah. So what's where to take it? Might you have to yeah. uh, overcome that, or where mm -hmm. could it be taken mm -hmm. to be used? He used his dad's big blue, uh, his dad's hat, personal hat, paper hat. Okay, so he's not wanting to throw it away? Is that right. where? Okay, great. So you could call a donation company and have them come out and get it for you. Um, they'll come out and they'll package stuff up. Um, and sometimes it's just giving yourself permission to let go of it. And I think a lot of people don't want to throw it away themselves. So this, let me just repeat the question because oh. Chris is not on mic. I just realized. So okay. the question was, if I'm getting rid of things and I don't, and I don't want to just put it in the big blue dumpster, where can I take it? Yeah. So that's what you're saying. So you can take it to donation companies. They can come pick it up from you or, um, and they'll package it up and take it. Um, sometimes I've had a couple clients that have said to me, can you please take this stuff and I don't care what you do with it. I just don't want to know what you do with it. Right. And it's been stuff that needed to be disposed of. It wasn't really something that yeah. Um, yeah. anyone could find use of it, yeah. so, but they didn't want to know. They just wanted me to do that. Well, and I think too, Anya, what we found is that there are, um, there are churches that will accept donations. Yes. Uh, Sunbeam Family Services will accept certain donations. Um, clothing, there's a couple of really great uh, places, suit, suit, Suited for Success mm -hmm. is a really great place that you can take um, women's dress clothes and clothes that women could use to uh, go interview for jobs and things like that. But again, this goes back to how much energy and effort do you want to put into it right. versus, and I have people who are adamantly opposed to taking stuff to Goodwill. It's a, it's a conscious choice that they're making not to, to give to Goodwill. That is totally everybody's decision. Sometimes the convenient thing is the right thing, and sometimes the morally right thing to do is the right thing to do yeah. for people. We don't judge. Not at all. We just want you to move it on. Yeah. And I have, a, I have this philosophy I think you share with me is that the universe will put that in the hands of the person it's supposed to be in the hands absolutely. of. Absolutely. Right? Wherever you take it, it will end up where it's supposed yes. to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, did that answer that question? Anything else? Uh, uh, Caitlin Dixon has raised her hand, but I need her to question chat or I can make her live here and see how it goes from there. Yeah, I, if Galen is on the phone, um, Ms. Nixon, if you could type your question in, that would be great. We're not we're not equipped to open it up live today, so I apologize about that. Yeah. Um Okay, so let's kind of wrap up um, if, and give her a little bit of time to do that because I think okay. we gave us an hour today. And 
Um, so just kind of to, to wrap up, Anya, we've talked about decluttering, which is purging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, the word yeah, I use, yeah. right? And then we talked about um, downsizing, and there are steps to downsizing. And I, the biggest aha that people have shared when we've done this before is that they don't have to worry about what's left. All they have to worry about is what to take. Yes. Right. Yeah. And what's left gets dealt with after they've moved. Yep. For those people saying, well, financially, how do I do that? If you have a mortgage on your house or that isn't financially possible for you, then we have other strategies. Correct. But for most people, when they own their home outright and they're making a move someplace else, um, in today's current real estate market, houses are selling fairly quickly so it's not a problem once the house is emptied it sells and we're talking 60 to 90 days in many cases and that's it and so um i will tell you just we didn't touch on this uh and we don't have time to go into great detail but it's also a safety issue right so to go ahead and move first as opposed to do all this and put your house on the market and then move it's also a timing issue timing issue right? yeah if you're convenience if you're thinking you're gonna have an estate sale you have to move first yes that's not even an option not an option at all most most estate sale companies will tell you they don't even want to see your house until you've moved everything out that you want yeah yeah all right, so did we cover it all? I think we did. Yeah? Yeah. Could we do probably five more of these on little incremental pieces? Yes. Yeah? Maybe we should. Maybe we should. People are going to be locked up We've in their houses time. for a while. <laughs> all right, good deal. So I guess my um, action item for you guys would be if there's something specific on this topic that you want us to cover, um, send us an email or let Naomi know, and we'll try to do some additional education on that, whether it's this way or we'll add it to our roster. And then also, um, we still have a decluttering workshop on the book. We do, yes. Starting in April. It starts in April. And what does that look like? Um, So that's going to be a four-week workshop. It's going to be one. It's going to be every um, one Monday a week for four weeks. For four weeks for one hour, and we're going to just be talking about um, tips on downsizing and decluttering. We'll give some action items. Um, We usually have a really good uh, time with it, and people have really good progress with it. So come hang out with us. It starts April 13th yeah. uh, at, I believe, 1 p.m. I don't yeah, I think it is 1, 1 p.m. Um, $40 per household. Yep, $40 per household. And we're just going to hang out. and um, you Action can, items. We're not hanging out. We've well, got action we items. We've got action items. After gonna, the hangout. Yeah, we're going to hang out, but we're gonna, we have action items. But it's a little bit more intimate, so you can kind of focus more on the issues you have in your home versus coming to a seminar where yeah. it's more broad. Gotcha. So... Perfect. And we limit eight people. Eight people per seminar or per uh, workshop, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. All right. Very good. Good job. All right. That's it. See you guys next time. Bye.